Thank you for listening to a message from the Oak Haven Church. The following sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning worship service. We hope that this message will be helpful to you and encourage you to explore the Word of God. And now, this week's message. That was beautiful, Kara. Thank you. And I extend to everyone on behalf of my family here and my family in Missouri and Connecticut our thanks for all your prayers. We have been on on quite a journey on every level. My mom died on my nephew's birthday on January 19th. I was blessed to be able to go down there the day before, sing and pray and read scripture. And I brought my piano book and played the old family piano for her. And the next day uh, we were all gathered around with her, um, just spending sacred time. And, uh, and we're relieved for her to pass because she was struggling uh, significantly. And about 18 hours later, my phone rang, and it was my aunt advising that my uncle had passed away just then as well. Um, and so we, uh, we mourned my mom, planned her funeral and her wake, and, and spent that time with family, um, and then came here for a few days, and then we're off into the maw of the, uh, I can't remember if they named it, uh, but was a nor'easter cyclone bomb blizzard. Uh, we went, John and I went back and forth about that quite a bit. But arrived just as the angels were singing and the highways were cleared um, and spent some really wonderful, and that's it, it's excruciating and wonderful time at the same time, being, being with our families in, in, this, uh, in this time period. And... Uh, and laid Uncle Jerry to rest, who had become like a father to me after my dad died, and I lived on the East Coast. I, um, there's just so so much so much to everyone's story, and a, a blessing to step uh, back into all of that. Uh, but we felt your prayers, uh, especially during our harrowing drive um, on uh, on Friday. We wanted to be here for Jacob's birthday. Oh, did I tell everybody um, his birthday was yesterday? And so we were here for that. But as I said, through it all, we felt your prayers and are very grateful. And uh, send my love to, uh, to the family still gathering and worshiping together. Um, and as it, as it turns out, uh, today's story is all about resurrection. And, uh, and before we go any further, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this amazing story, not only of your power, but also of the depth of your compassion and care for every one of us. Lord, you know our stories. You know where we are on our journey. You know, the, uh, you, you know the hearts that are mourning. You know the hearts that are rejoicing. You know the challenges, the joys, the victories. You know it all. So we bring all of our life before you, the hot mess and the victory, and we pray for your blessing and anointing on this time especially. Spirit, I hand myself over to you. I, I pray for your anointing to pour out your gift of teaching and preaching upon me, and for you to open all of our hearts to your will, to your love, to your message, to whatever you would whisper to our spirits in this time. We hand ourselves over to you. In Jesus' name. So it's been a while since I was up here, and last time we did the first half of this story as Jesus reveals to Martha that he is the resurrection and the life. And the, the, the theme of that first section is God's timing. 
Remember, Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick and he, he, he just hung there for two more days on purpose and then comes and finds Lazarus dead. And as we did the math, we figured Lazarus would have been dead had Jesus left as soon as he got word. It was all about trusting in God's timing, which we'll see a little bit more about uh, today. But also, this was one of the great seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am, I, I am the resurrection and the life, and, and others. That this is a significant cornerstone to who Jesus is, to his identity. John is making sure we understand that with, with this uh, literary device, but also it's Jesus is doing that as well. And that resurrection and that life we talked about three weeks ago, that resurrection begins now. We are brought back to life by Jesus Christ, brought back to life by the Spirit that raises him from the dead, raises us from the dead now, not just, but beginning in the grave. Remember my arts, my, my just ex, ex, excellent art, begins in the grave as we resurrect out of the watery grave, but also the renewal of the Spirit in bringing us back out of the darkness, bringing us back to life throughout our lives is an ongoing experience because of Jesus being in us, who is the resurrection and the life. Now, um, that was Martha's encounter with Jesus. Now remember, there's these two sisters. We, we had the big story about them earlier on where we see Martha as the, uh, Martha is the homemaker and Mary is the disciple. Martha is all about getting things right and, you know, as part of her culture, you know, hospitality was huge. It's, it's huge in our culture. And so she was working on hospitality. Mary was working on listening to Jesus. And so she gets the kudos in that story. And we see that, the, that their personalities, personalities are still present in this story. We won't go back and read over, but, but Martha is on the lookout and meets Jesus uh, outside. He's uh, probably still outside town. She still is somehow in fix-it mode. I don't, know, I don't know how else to describe it, but she is not, she is not mourning with everyone else. She's out there trying to, if, is, is there something I can do? Maybe this conversation with Jesus. But Mary is inside mourning. And so we can see that depending on your personality, you will mourn differently. And however you mourn is the right way for you to mourn. Just a, a quick little look at these two sisters and how they're, they're dealing with, with their loss differently. Um, and I, I have to say, uh, the one thing they have in common when they get to speak to Jesus for the first time, the first two words are, if only. Actually, if only you had been. They, 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 both, they both say the same thing. They're, they're in an if only, uh, why me kind of place. But as we go through this story uh, with a little more detail today, um, I don't know, I, I thought of uh, suggesting that you draw a circle around this day in your calendar uh, because as many years as I've been preaching, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon with five points that all start with the same letter. But that's what we're going to do to get today. And so this sermon is brought to you by the letter P.
All right? So we're going to go through some P's together as we talk about Jesus' presence in this story. Jesus is present with these women. He doesn't dismiss them. He informs Martha of one of the fundamental truths of, of, all, of all the universe. And you'll recall at the end of her part of the story, we talked about she makes a statement of faith. I believe you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. In the Gospel of John, she's the one that makes that exclamation, not Peter. It's significant, once again, as we study things in our Bible class, the significance that John places upon the role of women in the story. We won't rehearse them all, but I'll just mention the Samaritan woman, and it keeps going on through the resurrection at the end of the gospel. And so, as, as, she, has, as, as she has come to faith and declared him as the Messiah and the Son of God, Jesus is called to Mary... And when he sees her is when he weeps. Let's look at that part of the story. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What does Jesus see? When Jesus saw her weeping, he saw her heartbreak, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he saw the heartbreak of everyone around him there. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. So he steps right, he doesn't, he doesn't pontificate, he doesn't say, you really don't have anything to worry about, I'm going to handle this. No, he steps into the story and walks alongside them in their grief. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Those two words, I think, I think this is one of the most powerful, well, this is certainly the most powerful two-word sentence in Scripture. <laughs> um, the, the volumes that are spoken by Jesus standing there in weep and weeping, even though he knows what he just said, he knows the deep truth of being the resurrection and the life. He knows he is rendering sin and death powerless by his ministry. He knows that God has given him the power. We're going to see he has been praying. He knows that, that, that Lazarus is going to walk out of that grave. He knows all of that, and still he weeps. He steps into the sadness and acknowledges that it's not, it's not all hunky-dory. It's not all sunshine and roses. In spite of all those truths and promises and victories, he acknowledges the pain that we have to go through. And he goes through it with us. He steps and walks beside us. He wraps his arm around our shoulders and cries with us. The good will come, the victory will come, but until that time, he is with us. His presence heals us and supports us and carries us as we weep together. There's, there's no empty, uh, oh, you shouldn't be crying. 
you know, I've taken care of everything. It's, I'm here with you. He also spends time, I believe, in prayer. Uh, let's, well, he does so publicly, but I think he's also been praying. Let's read this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. There was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead, and by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. They may believe that you sent me. So just by the way Jesus words that, you can tell he's already been praying. And God has been answering his prayer. And I think he's been praying about the first part human flesh, unless there's some kind of intervention, begins to decompose after three days, certainly in, in the warm environment that they're in. I think Jesus has been praying for, for the Lord not to let Lazarus' body decompose, for, he, for him to be ready for the, for the stone to roll away when Jesus comes. Whether that was when he was praying, I, I, I think he was praying actually as soon as the news came that uh, your, your, your friend Lazarus is sick. That I, I believe that's when the prayers began about it. Um, but Jesus is, is openly reaching out to God in prayer and relying on God's presence and answer to this prayer to be what does what's happening next. So the lesson for us is to be engaged in prayer as well. Not just hope for the best, but ask for his help. Ask for his intervention. Ask boldly. Who else is going to pray for a, for a body to not decompose? That, that is a serious, ambitious prayer. Just having been around the death process for these past couple of weeks and just thinking about the reality of what happens to us when, we, when our spirits slip to the other side. In this culture, that was, that was part and parcel of the mourning process and understanding just the way, the way things happen. So Jesus' prayer about who Lazarus, uh, about Lazarus' body being ready, and then the prayer that he asks for Jesus, uh, Jesus asks for God to raise him from the dead. His presence and his prayer are making the way for his power to be displayed. As Lazarus, we know the story, as Lazarus is alive. When he had said this, Jesus called in the loud voice, Lazarus, come out. A dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. We've become accustomed to this story, and so we're not shocked by that sentence in verse 44. The dead man came out. You know, we've heard of dead man walking, but that is an entirely different thing. This is, this is, this is the first dead man walking, and it's because of the power of Jesus calling on God in prayer to 
to raise this man from the dead. The same power that raised Lazarus from the dead is going to raise Jesus from the dead. Amen? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise us from the dead. Amen? The same power that will raise us from the dead lives in us now. Amen? Are we living like that? Are we praying like that? Are we expecting that? I, I confess, most of the time I'm not. But John writes these things down so that we can look, so that Jesus can be at the center of it all, so that we can look firmly and long and strong at the story of Jesus and be reminded of the truths the world and the enemy would like us to forget. So Jesus' power is, is something that changes reality, and that shift in reality adds a perspective to our lives that is unassailable and changes everything. Going back to that encounter with Martha, just a brief part of it, Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. She answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Here it is. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. You know what it says. Even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then she, she makes her confession. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. When Paul is processing the power of Jesus in his resurrection, in our lives, in the life of his church, he writes Romans 8, my favorite passage in all of Scripture. We just, uh, we just tried to sing a song based on that, More Than Conquerors. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he comes to an end, he brings it in for a landing. I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, anything else can, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can make our own list, neither death nor life, neither taxes nor COVID, neither in-laws or whatever, whatever you want to put on your list. Um, that was not aimed at my in-laws. I, I have to put that out there immediately. I love you guys. Uh, too late. Thank you, John. <laughs> Whatever our challenge is, we are more than conquerors because it can't separate us from God's love. It can't separate us from Jesus. He's standing right next to us as we walk through the storm. Whatever you have on your list, ultimately is powerless before the one who raises Lazarus from the dead and longs to raise each one of us from the dead as well, not just in Resurrection Cemetery, but here and now as we, as we go home, as, you know, uh, as, as we mourn various things in our lives. We all experience loss. I, I don't feel the same way as you, but I do feel badly that, well, the Packers aren't going to be in the Super Bowl. But the degrees of discomfort and challenge get greater and greater the deeper we live, if I can put it that way. 
and the perspective that Jesus brings, that he is victorious, he will be victorious, and so will we, is something that brings us the Spirit of God here and now. But as the story, uh, at least the part that we're looking at, comes to a close, because of this display of power, the plot begins for Jesus to, to suffer his, his death. That's why when people are studying the book, the Gospel of John, this story begins the second, the second half because this story begins his journey to the cross. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Exactly the process Martha had gone to, exactly what John wants us to go through, we see all these things and we believe. He tells us that at the end of the book. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? Here is this man performing many sighs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then, here's the motivation, underline this. Then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So the undercurrent under all of this is power and politics through and through. We've talked about it before. And God uses that. He will use the darkest of the darkness against itself, which is exactly what he's doing now. And Jesus is going to go through what these guys are going through in terms of going through the, the pain of death, even though it will be reversed, and he knows it will still has to be gone through. And that lesson of his presence with us is going to carry us through. As, as, we, as we rely on him in prayer and his power raises us from the dead and changes things inside us and outside us, we have his perspective that, that makes things that are here and now and immediate not as not as much of the end of the world as they might seem, because there is no end of the world to those who believe in Jesus. Amen? Finally, this all works into God's plan. Somehow the timing of what Jesus has done, somehow the forces of, of greed and power and darkness, somehow whatever faith we bring to the table, however feeble our prayers, somehow God works all things together to further his purposes. Somehow every aspect of our lives can be used by him to, to bring glory to his name. The story begins as, as Jesus says, Stay with me, and you will see the glory of God. Believe in me, and you will see the glory of God. And I believe we, I believe we do, and I believe we will. If we, walk, if we walk in these, how many P's are there now? Two, four, if we walk in, these, in these, six, these six facets of this story and rely on Jesus and call on him and trust in his presence, in our prayers to him and relying on his power to transform us and the situation around us, walking in an eternal perspective that makes, you know, people say everything is relative. That's true, especially when you belong 
to the maker of heaven and earth who died for you and placed his spirit in you and says, even though you die, don't panic. That's temporary. I've taken care of everything. So whatever darkness may plot against us will fail because of who is in control, whose plan is operating in our lives in this place, right here, right now. Pray with me, please. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you are beside us in challenging times, like some of us are going through. We thank you that you have granted victory, and we are walking in that victory. Whether we feel like it or not, our emotions don't take away the truth of your victory over sin and death. Help us to walk out that reality more fully by your power, Spirit. We yield ourselves to you and surrender and praise you for all the promises of life now and later. Help us to bring you glory in how we live. Lord, hear our prayers as we, as we lift these words to you with great thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, would you stand for our benediction taken from that, uh, that passage in Romans? Oh, got to it too late. Thank you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The implied answer is no. They will not, because as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And here's the answer now. No. In all these things, say this with me. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the people said, Amen. God bless us, everyone. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Oak Haven Church. We are located at 2175 Witzel Avenue in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. To hear previous podcasts, visit our website at oakhavenchurch.net.